everybody to lanky guys reflecting on scripture we are a couple of lanky guys and we like reflecting on scripture it's pretty cool it is so i'm scott powell and i am father peter Muzzet. we are here at saint thomas aquinas catholic center in beautiful boulder colorado and this is our second endeavor so you're you're learning with us you're walking the path this of is it. righteousness absolutely and and blessed are those who don't linger in the way of sinners, but walk in the way of righteousness. Amen. So it's St. Saint Nicholas Day today. It is. Father didn't put his shoe out, so he's got no treats. No treats. I was so bummed. I, I was like looking forward to, because if I got some, I was going to hunt down Arius and punch him dead in his noggin. Nice. Yeah, that's a... Uh, that's the uh, uh, thing. You should listen to uh, Catholic Stuff You Should Know. Do they talk about it? They do. They have a Good. great podcast from like two years ago. I think it's like episode eight. Filling shoes and punching heretics? That's exactly it, man. Nicholas, dude, He, he I think it, it's called a Who Punched Arius? <laughs> because they were they were in a... In kinda a gives, we kind of yeah. gave it away then. It was... Ah! Oh, okay, well, sorry. we're not reflecting um, yet. It's a re- um, it's a rerun for them, anyways. Yeah, they, it's everybody no knows. surprise. Today we are going to be delving into the second Sunday of Advent, Year C. Advent, Advent's a weird time, Father. I agree. I feel funny about it. We're supposed Advent. to be penitential. Nobody in my neighborhood's penitential. We just had an Advent party last night for Saint Nicholas. I know. Well, we had a St. Nicholas. It wasn't an ad- we weren't celebrating Advent. We were celebrating St. Nicholas. So I guess that's a little different. Yeah. And we busted into Jingle Bells. And like, yeah. there's a part of me. And I was, I was a, as a pastor, I was going like, um, this is cute. The kids are cute. Did you want to declare them all anathema, though? <laughs> <laughs> I did. I was going to get the guy who's playing St. Nick. I was going to be like, dude, bring out the squirrel. He would have punched you in the face. <laughs> oh, shoot. That's what St. Nick does. That's how he rolls. That is. So so we're here today. Here we are. Scott, tell me. What are what are you, some of your thoughts here? All right. So this this week's great. I love the I love the readings this week. And they're actually they're all pretty cut and dry in a certain sense. They're all they're all pretty thematic, which sometimes, you know, it's it's harder to kind of dig out, okay, what's the main theme of all these? How do you tie them all together? Yeah. This week I actually think it's pretty clear. And I think all the readings this week are talking about what scholars and what uh, the early Christians called a new exodus. And so on some level, I think you can find traces of the exodus story in all these. So we mentioned last week, if anybody listened to it, which now you can go back and do it. The four people that did, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> no, there were five. I checked I checked the stats. Sweet. Five. I think my mom was three of those. <laughs> <laughs> she just kept listening to and it. And then it was me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. Anyway. But one of the things we mentioned, so during uh, Advent in year C, so there's the different liturgical cycles, you know, depending on what year. In year C, we read from the book of Jeremiah. We had a big stink in how we don't read from Isaiah, which you usually do during Advent. We read from Jeremiah. And here this week, just to throw us all off, it comes from the book of Baruch, the first reading. So it's not Jeremiah at all. But here's the key, Father Peter. It is from Jeremiah because Baruch, most people don't read the book of Baruch, but Baruch was actually Jeremiah's secretary. He was his right-hand man. Oh. So this is Jeremiah's scribe. So he's he's Jeremiah's buddy. So he, in a certain sense, he's writing from Jeremiah's perspective. It's a, it's oh. a Jeremiah-ish book. It's kind of the school. And Baruch is cool. He wrote this book 
five years after the destruction of Jerusalem. So Jeremiah was the one that warned that Jerusalem was going to fall if you don't turn from their sins. He saw it happen. Baruch was right there with him. And now Baruch writes this book. Scholars think about five years after the case, after the fact. Ah, so okay. it's a done deal. Everybody's in exile. They're hauled off. They lost their city. And they're, it's a, they're kind of Baruchan. They went for Baruch. Um, I'm sorry. I, you know, it was a really bad play on words because it's Baruch Baroque. Oh, Baroque. I didn't. Yeah, I bro- couldn't. Get no, broke. Okay, it. it sucked. We can edit that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I won't. I'm gonna leave it. <laughs> uh, we'll see. <laughs> but Baruch is cool. So it, it's it's basically everybody's already been hauled off, and the the book is kind of split into different parts. It talks about the problem the solution, and then the future. So the problem is that they've been hauled off in exile. Their home is gone. Yeah. The solution is that they've actually been unfaithful. It's kind of a... The part we read from is the most hopeful part of the book, and it's all this stuff about how take off... It, it begins by saying, take off your robe of mourning and misery, put on the splendor of God, wrap yourself in the cloak of justice, you're going to stand on the heights, you're going to look it out and see your kids. It's a super, super hopeful reading. And scholars think the reason it's so hopeful is that this is one of the first times in Israel's history where they realize why they've been punished. And they say, oh, it's because we've been unfaithful. It's because we haven't followed the law. So now maybe if we're faithful, God's going to rescue us. And so they're excited about that. It sounds actually a little bit like uh, the prodigal son. Oh, it totally does. You know, mourning and misery into splendor, you know, the cloak of justice being clothed, you know, put on your head the miter. It's this, it's this sense of clothing and acceptance, but then the imitation of the prodigal father, actually. Oh, totally. The prodigal father? Wait, I mean, he's not... He, he ain't prodigal. <laughs> he ain't prodigal. He's the father of the prodigal. Which... Although, he raised some crappy kids. <laughs> Just call spade a spade. Yeah, yeah, those kids. Uh, I blame him they, they needed haircuts anyway. Maybe it was their mom. They need a haircut. <laughs> yeah. mm. My daughter gave herself a haircut this morning. Yeah. An unplanned one, which... Bad news. Yeah, Scott. Scott came yeah. in mourning, mourning the loss of his the cutest Lily's little cute hair. Mm. Mm. Well, so so back to the thing. Back to the thing. Um, I I totally so, cut you off. I'm sorry. No, not at all. I, that was all I had to say. I mean, I have lots more to say. Okay. But that, that's that's Baruch's deal. That's kind of what's going on. That's that's setting the scene. Which is. Baruch is, we take from the section of Baruch like we took from the section of Jeremiah, the book of the Consolations. It's like the one moment in devastation where we get a bit of consolation. No, totally. Totally. And that's, you know, it's, it's another kind of depressing downer book, but it doesn't end that way. It ends with this great hope. So it begins in sadness. It ends with this great promise, which is kind of the Christian story, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, this is the story of we're in Advent right now, but it reminds me of Lent. You know, we begin with, with the morning and the Good Friday, but that always leads to Easter Sunday. So the suffering will lead to something else. And that's what they get, and that's why they're kind of pumped about this. Ah, look to the east and see your children. The other day I was driving um, over to do, some, uh, uh, to do a Mass uh, for some priests who were on retreat, and I was driving into the east, and the sunrise was so vivid. Mm. It was just powerful. It was just this golden band of goodness. And then there were clouds and then there was these little these little clouds that were that were just red from from the sun as it was rising and I was like, "Man, this is what it's going to be like looking east and and seeing the glory of all the good things." And so it just it just gave me a ton of hope that that sunrise as yeah. I was driving along. That's awesome. 
Yeah, I don't get up ever that early <laughs> unless I have to go to another parish. We don't we don't start till noon. This is college no, parish. This is college parish. We're living the dream here. It's cool though. You know, there's um, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but there's a neat line. There's a couple of lines that connect with the gospel in a big way, and I, we want to talk about the other ones too. But there's this language. I'm trying to find it. Where does it say it? It says, uh, "Oh yeah, there it is." So it's kind of in the. Well, it's toward the end. It says, but God has commanded that every lofty mountain be made low and that the age-old depths and gorges be filled to level ground. And that's cool because it's it's really similar to what the gospel is going to say. And the gospel is from Luke. Um, we're kind of jumping back and forth, but Luke and Mark say kind of the same thing in their gospel at the very beginning. It's that passage, you know, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths, the valleys will be filled, the mountains and the hills will be made low. And all that stuff. It's actually repeated in Isaiah as well. So there's all this language. Mountains being made low, valleys being filled up. I remember uh, sitting in Sister Timothea's uh, Psalms and Prophets class, and she was talking about kind of part of that image was that they, uh, back in the day, would have these gigantic idol statues or something. Okay, I could be totally wrong. No, maybe, no, I, maybe my notes are off. But my, and, and so, but the thing is, is that they to they would travel with them. And so to be able to travel with them, they were so large and cumbersome that they ha- would actually literally have to fill in the ditches and bring down the, the, the valleys. Otherwise, they couldn't move this thing. Totally. No, I think that's exactly the point. And what the gospel writers and what Baruch is, are talking, what they're describing is, is highway construction, right? It's what we deal with every summer in Colorado, right? That's what they're doing. There's mountains being leveled. There's valleys being filled in. They're building or they're rebuilding a highway, which totally fits with, with Sister Timothea's thought. But even more than that, anytime a king was coming to town, this is just kind of ancient practice. If a king or the emperor was going to visit your city, yes. you'd repair the highways. Yes. You would fix it and you'd widen it and you'd do whatever you had to do because the king and his whole entourage was going to come. And so this description of mountains being made low and hills being filled in, all this stuff, it's highway construction because somebody's coming. And that's kind of the idea. So it's kind of cool imagery. So in Baruch, you get this idea that Israel is like royalty. And eventually, you know, because they're God's people, they're God's uh, chosen ones, they're going to be, they're going to go out on this highway like kings. And they're going to eventually go home. In the Gospels, it's totally flipped. Oh. And it says that a king is now coming. So someone's coming to them. In the Old Testament, they're going somewhere. In the New Testament, something's coming to them. So it's kind of an interesting imagery. Yeah. And I mean... Where John the Baptist was, which were in the gospel and, and, and uh, getting this kind of both the sense of timing, yeah. but of John the Baptist, where he is, I mean, that's some serious travel to the city of Jerusalem. Yeah, totally. I mean, we, when we, when we uh, went out there, when I went to the Holy Land, I was like, man, this is a hike. I've never been. So how, how far is it? Did you? Oh, you've never been to the Holy Land? No. Why don't you rub it in? Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, okay. Well, now we know what we have to do. Got to do it. Okay, for the five people who listened to the podcast <laughs> yesterday, you all get a free trip to Israel. Hey! hey. If, <laughs> but if you weren't one of those five people, you're you're, you're done. You're, you're done. Um, it's a. I mean, I, I would I would imagine sometimes my sense of distance isn't all that great, especially in a foreign country. But it's a, it's easily like trying to walk. I mean, I would say it's a hundred miles. Really, thirty miles, twenty well. miles, twenty five miles. <laughs> 20 miles, 15 miles, eight miles, four. Hold on. I, isn't like, isn't Israel only like a hundred miles edge yeah, to edge? It's the size of like New Hampshire. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't think it's so it's like walking to Denver. Which that's is, still a pretty, pretty hefty hike though. It's like a two days. I mean, that's like, yeah. it's like 30 miles that's from all. Boulder. You know, it's funny. The, uh, the word gospel, 
I really like the word gospel. So yeah. What, what's the what's the Greek version of gospel? It's euangelion. Right? Which is where we get the word evangelization from. Hmm. So we call these books the Gospels, but that's actually an Old Testament term. So the first time that word is used, um, I don't know if it's the first time, but the most biblical time is back in the Old Testament. It's actually used in Isaiah, talking about this Messiah who's going to come eventually. And this is actually where we get all this language that Luke uses for John the Baptist, that there's going to be a voice crying out in the wilderness. There's going to be somebody preparing the way. And then it goes on to talk about the valleys being filled in, the hills being made low. So properly speaking, the gospel, if you if you take the Old Testament and its word, yeah. what the gospel is, you know, we say, well, what's the gospel? It's good news. About what? I mean, what is that? That doesn't actually tell you anything, does it? It's just good generic news. Well, the news obviously is Jesus, but in the Old Testament, the context for the gospel, what the gospel meant was that God was coming back to save his people. And if you read the Old Testament carefully, it actually gave you a direct root. So Isaiah says, this is where Luke is taking this quote from, it says, if you look in the wilderness, if you go out to the desert, which is to the east of Jerusalem, there's going to be a voice crying out. And if you find that voice, then you know that the valleys and the hills are going to be made low and a highway is going to be built from the wilderness to Jerusalem where God is going to return. He's going to come to the temple. He's going to be king. So if you, if you really take the Old Testament and kind of put it together, there's a really specific definition of what the Bible means by the gospel. It means God is coming. He's going to start in the wilderness out east. He's going to make a road. He's going to travel from there to Jerusalem and there he's going to be king, which is pretty cool. It's awesome. Because that's, and that's why we call these four books the gospel, not just because they're generically good news, but each of them tell the exact same story, which is God coming to the wilderness where John the Baptist is and actually traveling on foot all through his land, pronouncing this, this message to people, culminating in Jerusalem where he becomes king on a cross. That's awesome. And it's actually in time, in history. And that's actually the beginning of, of what happens in, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, which is somewhere approximately, um, you know, somewhere around 29 AD. Oh, right. Yeah. So uh, it, what's cool is that there are people who take this very seriously. And I am one of them. I'm, mm -hmm. in, a, I'm in the process of trying to take these dates and say, what are the stellar events that are happening in the sky um, around the, these the, around this time? Yeah, because because if we take the fact that there was a star that hovered above Bethlehem, right. that that in fact it's not just some sort of idealistic story, that some sort of myth story that we're experiencing that was written in. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But people are saying no, this is a real location in space and time. And that's that's what Luke is trying to convey to us totally. that this this happened in history. And when we say the highways and byways being made straight and the curving roads being made straight, yeah, um, we're we're actually also talking about Jesus going through the wilderness, totally, in doing this new exodus that we brought up again, totally, and making that that way straight that we can follow. Yeah, you know what's interesting about it is that. It's funny, and this is where the psalm, I think, kind of fits into this. The, the responsorial psalm comes from Psalm 126. And Psalm 126 was written, um, it's believed, it's commonly believed that it was written right after the people um, of Judah were released from captivity, and they just came back and settled back in Jerusalem. So probably about the end of the 500s BC, about then. Mm. So they've come back home now. And the psalm, if you read it, it's all, it's all this good news. The Lord has done great things for us. We're filled with joy. The Lord brought us back to Zion. You know, we were like men dreaming. We had this laughter. It's great news. 
So in a certain sense, Psalm 126 is answering Baruch. Baruch is saying, someday you're going to be set free and you're going to get to go home. Psalm 26 says, we've just come home. This is great. We're here. But that's where it's kind of weird because even though they've had this new exodus, they've been freed, they're back home, you do get the idea that it's not quite over yet because mm. they're back in the land now, but it's controlled by somebody else. They don't have a king anymore. They don't have their governmental structure. They don't have anything. So they're still, even though they're back in the land in Psalm 26, they're super excited about that. There's still something missing, which is where the gospel then comes in and says, no, 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 there's a lot more you still got to wait for. And that is what we are waiting for. Advenio advenere. Absolutely. Advent. Absolutely. So that's where we are. I mean, and it, it's kind of a, it's kind of a neat message to us because Christ has already come, but it's not done yet, right? He came mm. once. He lived. He did our work of salvation. I mean, it, it's complete, but we're still waiting to, to see the fullness of the rest of it. It's not that Christ didn't finish his work. He did, but we can't see it all yet. So we're still kind of in this in-between. Yeah, it happened, but we're not experiencing all of it yet. So we're kind of living where they are in a certain sense. Mm. Yes. I don't know if that's heretical or not. You might have to punch me in the face. Well, if it is, but... it is the Feast of St. Nicholas. So I, I don't have a mitre on my head, but I have a mitral <laughs> valve in my heart. And I think that gives me enough authority <laughs> well to, to do that, to, to um, make the rough ways straight. You know what else I think is cool about the gospel? So the Old Testament readings, they're all about the Jewish expectation. They think, okay, we are God's chosen people, which they are, and God is going to set us free. He's going to take us home. But Luke, remember, what's Luke's ethnicity? Do you remember? No. He's not Jewish. He's the only writer of a New Testament book who's not Jewish. Oh. He's a Gentile. He was the Gentile physician. So he was a doctor. And what Luke is kind of doing, he's... And artist. Was he an artist? Yeah. He's a patron saint artist. They believe he was a painter that he painted the first icon of Mary. Get that down. Yeah. I actually didn't know that. That's really cool. Yeah. Look at you. Artist pastor. But what's cool about it is, so he's taking all these prophecies that were specifically understood to kind of be for the Jewish people, which is true, and he's expanding it. So what's cool about the way that he begins this, he's not just talking about, you know, in the year of the high priest and in the year of this king. He's taking it out to, he's, he's taking the particular and he's making it universal. And so he's not just talking about what's happening in the Jewish history. He's talking about what's happening in world history. Who is the world's emperor? Who's the head of Rome? Who's the tetrarch? Who's the governor? Who are the secular powers? Because this message now isn't just for the religious. It's for the entire world, which Luke is kind of embodying in being a non-Jew and being brought into this message, which I think is sweet. Yeah, he's contextualizing everything. Totally. I mean, to even John, he's saying John, the son of Zechariah, yeah. and then and then John going to the whole region of Jordan, proclaiming for this, and then contextualizing it within Revelation. So it's totally. it's world history, Jewish history, eth- uh, uh, ethnicity or um, lineage, and scripture. Yeah, absolutely. Dang, I didn't see that. That's awesome. It's pretty cool. Well, my friends, I hope that you also experience that as cool. We try to get some sort of insight so that uh, you can come to Mass, because this ain't the homily. It is not uh, that. But it's not a replacement for a homily. Yeah, So, if, but, if, but if you're sitting at home right now <laughs> saying, I just feel like I went to Mass, it's not true. You didn't go to Mass. You didn't go to Mass. We will see you, and, and because the only true experience of the scriptures is when the word is made flesh in the most blessed sacrament and we are communed with him so happy advent to you and to you and with your spirit and with your spirit (laughs) (laughs) Uh, awesome this podcast is a production of the saint thomas aquinas catholic center and the aquinas institute for catholic thought here in boulder colorado 
You can find us online at www.thomascenter.org. See you next week.